the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. We rejoice today in Jesus Christ. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. I've been deeply impressed and helped by this wonderful man of the early 1900s. His name was Reese Howells. He was an evangelist. He was a revivalist. He was a pastor. And then he was an educator as the director of a college, a place of great intercession. He was baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to share with you today a series of short vignettes of messages that he gave as he led the college in deep intercession during the Second World War and before. I want to share with you these vignettes because they reveal the other side after having been baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've been listening to this broadcast, you know that Alexandra, my wife, and myself are crying out to God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We have come to the belief that it is a mandatory baptism for every person who is going to be in any way useful in the kingdom of God. We cannot do anything without Jesus. It requires the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He is the only witness to our Savior's death on the cross and resurrection. He is the one who was sent to teach us all things that Jesus taught. The Holy Spirit is not the happy spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. So we're going to share with you these short vignettes and then make some explanations as we go through these. So just to clarify, we're, as a reminder, we're not speaking about the new birth. We're not speaking about regeneration. We're speaking about a second work after a person has already been born again. They've already entered the kingdom of God. But now they need to be empowered for service. So this is what Reese Howells is going to share in these vignettes. And it requires an absolute surrender. Romans, the 12th chapter, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Romans 12, verse 1. No single person can receive the Holy Spirit until he has made a full and complete surrender. The Holy Spirit is a person, and when he comes in, he brings in all that is of God, and from that time, it is in God you live, and not to any selfish motives. 
I never once sought a blessing after he came in. I had the blesser himself. It may take you some time to get used to this new realm, but do not try to do anything of yourself. When he wants to do something through you, he will make it plain. You need to realize your position in him. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 1.3 Live with him, come to know him, and allow him to speak to you. When you have the Holy Spirit, you don't need to make a show. He will reveal himself without your effort. It is a new realm altogether, a realm in which you are transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12.2 This life in the Holy Spirit is as simple as it is great. There are a couple of things that quickly pop out to me as I read this vignette. No single person can receive the Holy Spirit until he has made a full and complete surrender. What do I mean? What did Reese Howells mean? That we come with all of ourself, both the good and the evil. After we've been converted, we've been changed, we've been regenerated but we're still walking in our own spirit. He's saying, both the good and the bad have to be totally surrendered to God. He's saying, in this new realm, it's not an intellectual understanding. It is a reality of your life. I just wanted to elaborate. So on Romans 12, 1, this is where it says that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So in order to present your body as a holy sacrifice to God, you first have to be made holy by Jesus. So when you're born again, you have a new life in Christ which is holy, but that life is not to be lived for yourself. That life is to then be consecrated to God for his service. And when that consecration is made, that's what he's referring to in a full and complete surrender. When that consecration is made, then the Holy Spirit can come and live in us as a person, and that's where the power comes in. So I just, I, I don't want you to think that this is like some kind of experience that you need to try to drum up or conjure up but this is it does require us to to go to God to seek this indwelling and to persevere and then the result of that will be what Reese Howells is describing so just as you know before a person is converted you can describe to them what it's like after you're born again but you, you're not trying to do that, so they'll just try to imitate certain features of it. 
So the value in this I see is that, first of all, it helps us understand that we don't have the full Christian experience that God intends us to have. And secondly, it helps us understand what we're to pray for when we ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's a shallowness in the heart of every man. That shallowness is broken by the coming in and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are some things necessary for us to do in order to prepare ourselves for that full and complete surrender. No man will ever make a full and complete surrender until he turns his television off. Yes, but that's now we're still talking about that first conversion experience. If you're still watching your television every day, you're likely either backslidden or you've never been converted. So you do have to first be made holy before you can offer that as a holy sacrifice to God. And there are things in the Christian church today that are very acceptable to the church culture that reveals a backslidden state that prevents us from even beginning to be serious about requesting the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The love of sports, the love of the entertainment of the world, the love of our ambition, our dreams, our goals, our demands. It has to be very plain to us that there must be a total, complete surrender. And where we struggle today, as we saw in one church, Alexandra, when it was football season and Super Bowl, they opened their facility for a big Super Bowl party. And then they dubbed it with some Christian things to try to baptize it and make it acceptable to God. But the Lord God had nothing to do with it, and a church that acts in this way is a backslidden church. And the pastor who would sponsor such activities is desperately backslidden. And that church will never receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit until there is a return to that first love and until there is a full regeneration and a commitment to Jesus Christ. Second vignette is from John 14, 17. 14, 17. And by the way, these vignettes were given at meetings. They held five prayer meetings a day at this college. Uh, so these vignettes would be given by the director in order to begin to direct their prayers and to bring them into the presence of the Lord. Yes, and we're reading, if you'd like to look up the book, it's The Intercession of Reese Howells by Doris M. Rusco. She was an administrator at the college for some time. So this book is interesting because it gives like a different perspective on what was happening at the college. So this is John fourteen seventeen. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not neither knoweth him but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. 
the Holy Spirit is not an influence, but a divine person, the third person of the Godhead, with all the attributes of a person, will, intelligence, power, and love. He is the only witness on earth today of the Savior and of Calvary, and he is the only one who can make God's will known to you. We do not know these things until they're revealed to us. And at the 1906 Ladenrod Wells Convention in Wales, the Holy Spirit was revealed to me, and I saw him. I had lived for the Savior for three and a half years and longed to give my life back to him. The first morning of the convention, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. You hath he quickened and hath raised you up to sit with Christ in heavenly places. It was the crucified Christ I had seen before, but now I had a vision of the glorified Christ, and only one glimpse of that is enough for eternity. I saw myself sitting with the one I loved throughout eternity, and like the Apostle Paul I was dazzled, and all the things of the earth grew strangely dim. I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10 I believe my experience was like that of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah saw God and saw himself. He said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Isaiah 6, 5. The Holy Spirit then appeared to me and said, I am the one who revealed that position to you, and I want a body to dwell in to reveal the Savior through you. I saw that he was God, that he was holy, pure, divine, and I was a man with a sinful nature. Before that experience, I had never seen myself. All that I had by nature was self, a self I had cultivated and kept under, a self the Holy Spirit would not live with. He showed me what it would mean if he came in. The verse he gave me was, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Romans 6, 3. As really as the Savior died on that cross, I would have to die before my nature was changed. Whether it is good self or bad self, it is still self and must go to the cross. I had received a sentence of death as really as a prisoner in the dock. For seven days he dealt with me. My will would have to go. I would never have another choice, and I was never to question him in thought, word, or motive. Each day he cleansed and purged me so that I could never go back again to my former life. And finally, he gave me one hour to decide whether I, myself, was to live on, or he was to live in me. My destiny for eternity depended on that hour. At last, I said, Lord, I am willing, and he came in. He did not force the decision on me. I had to decide. I was carried right into the presence of God, and the verse he gave me was, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness, holiest, by the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 10:19. From that time on, there was a line drawn between my old life and this new one. 
like John the Baptist, I had to decrease and he had to increase. You know, as I read these, it's so clear in my mind. We're not talking about some intellectual understanding. We're not talking about doctrine. We're talking about literally God coming and meeting a man. Literally coming and meeting a man. And asking, can I indwell you? Can I use your body for the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ? I know of no greater honor that any man or woman could receive than to be asked that question. To be brought literally by the Spirit into the presence of God. The next vignette is Acts, the fifth chapter, verse 32. The Holy Ghost, whom God has given to them, that obey him. It is exactly the same for a man who is born again to receive the Holy Spirit as for a man who is not born again to receive the Savior. He is given to them that obey. It is his all for your all. Suppose you have a property of a hundred acres and you wish to sell all except the one acre right in the middle. The new owner might resent your walking over his property and might even take you to law about it. But the verdict would be, if he has one acre in the middle, he must have a right of way to it. If you withhold just one acre of your life from the Holy Spirit, the devil will find not one way of getting to it, but many ways. The Holy Spirit comes in to take full possession. Your life is like a plot of land, marred and made barren by the fall, and cannot bring forth fruit unto God. The Holy Spirit will begin to work on it one acre at a time, until he has dealt with all of it. You cannot play with the Holy Spirit. Those who have no fear of the Holy Spirit have never seen him. I had far more fear of him than I had of my old schoolmaster when I was a boy in school. He will never take a second place to self or the devil and he will not dispute with you. I never once minimize the third person of the Godhead. When he comes in, God comes in, and he will not mix with your sinful nature. You are to die to sin as really as the Savior died to sin. Now, as I was growing up, in the church, and then as I have walked as a Christian now for many years. Finally, the Holy Spirit brought the reality to me that it was not sufficient for me to just love Jesus. 
it was not sufficient for me to fit into the culture of the church. But instead, the Lord wanted the whole life, not part of it. What I discovered was the Holy Spirit began to speak very specifically about areas of my life that he wanted me to change. For example, he said, shut your television off. That was difficult for me. I was a television addict. I loved the football games. I loved professional sports. And for me to turn all of that off? I loved the movies. I loved the entertainment of just being able to veg out. But when the Holy Spirit came, he began to take charge. And he said, if you want me, you must turn off the television. There were other areas. Many of the social things that I enjoyed doing. He said, you must leave those. I used to enjoy very much going to some of the clubs in the Adams Morgan area, some of the dance clubs, and groups of us would go together on a, a Friday night and we would dance. The Holy Spirit was very displeased. He told me, no more clubs, no more dance. Stop it or I will leave you. And so the Holy Spirit began to put my life, even without the baptism of the Spirit, but simply in the regeneration process, he began to cut out from my life those things that in my culture were acceptable, but were not acceptable to God. He wanted fullness. He wanted full control. If you want to be serious with Jesus, you're going to have to begin to let him tell you to cut off parts of what you love. I loved sugar. I loved ice cream. I loved desserts. Holy Spirit said, stop it. No more. Limit your sugar. So today I say to my wife, could we have ice cream maybe once a week? Well, no. We don't have ice cream once a week. In other words, for a man, ice cream, a single man particularly, ice cream becomes a binky, a bottle. And some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. You'll sit down and you'll eat a whole quart of ice cream at one shot. And it's your binky. It's the way you comfort yourself in your flesh away from Jesus. Or some of you delight yourselves in gourmet cooking and gourmet food. And you will spend all kinds of time and energy talking about the delicacies that you like to prepare in your kitchen. Or you'll go to these wonderful restaurants and you delight yourself in these some of you are travelers. You're always planning your next cruise. You're always planning the next vacation because your life is so painful. 
Can I say it? Until you surrender to God and become comfortable regardless of the outward circumstances by total surrender to Jesus, you will never experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A farmer that I know who has now passed on, he sold his farm, he raised black Angus cattle, and he chose to take two acres of property out of the very center of the farm. And then, of course, he had to have a right-of-way. Amazing. Do you still own one acre of property in your life? Or have you signed the title deed to Jesus? And everything now belongs to him. The next vignette This is John chapter 12, verse 25. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. When you have given up your life entirely to the Holy Spirit, you have no right to take it back or to resent what he does with it. You will have no more claim on your life yourself, and you accept everything from him, whether it seems to be for you or against you. The surrender of outward things is only the beginning. When the Holy Spirit comes in, he shows you yourself as he sees you, and he deals with the old nature, its thoughts and motives. Human reasoning and understanding belong to the old nature, which God tells us not to trust. Proverbs 3.5 you must learn to be quiet before God for him to show you these things. At one time, I spent three hours with him and the word every evening for several months, and he dealt with every thought and motive of self. Last week, I was just astonished at a great quietness that came over my soul. I said to my wife, Alexandra, I don't understand what's happening but there's a great stillness in my heart. Well, I know what that great stillness is. It's coming into the presence. It is utterly giving everything to Jesus. It is full surrender. Where your heart is no longer troubled, you're no longer hassled, you're no longer fearful, you're no longer angry, you come and you sit in the presence of God. I did that this morning in the early hours. I sat in the presence of my Lord. I cried out to him. I expressed praise and honor and glory to his name. I worshiped him. And I just then sat in his presence. It was a wonderful time of just quietness between us as I confessed my love for him as I confessed my trust and my belief that no matter what happens 
I'm going to trust him. This reminds me, I was just reading the newest newsletter from Christian Freedom International last night. And there was a man who 10 years ago converted to Christianity from Islam. And he was baptized. And shortly after he was converted, his family seized his property, ran him off. And then a group of radical Islamists attacked him and stabbed his leg and it ended up being amputated. And I was amazed because this man did not grow bitter against Jesus, but now he now owns a small shop. He used to work in the, on farms as a day laborer, but he can't do that because he only has one leg. So now he works in a shop and he tells everybody who comes in about Jesus and he shares the gospel with them. So that's what I think of when it talks about accepting everything from God, whether it seems to be for you or against you. So this man did not make accusations or demands of God and say, you have to restore my leg or I'm not going to serve you anymore. But it's just so touching when there's that total surrender to God and whatever happens to you, you're going to live for his kingdom and his glory. The next vignette comes from the book of Luke 24:49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Joy is not the proof that the Holy Spirit has come, nor are sorrow and testing proofs that he has not come. The disciples were rejoicing in the knowledge of eternal life and the forgiveness of sins, but they needed power for service. It is as unreasonable for a missionary to go out without the power of the Holy Spirit as it is for a minister who is not born again to preach the gospel. The Spirit will change your nature and change your motives so that you may live entirely for Him. He may not give you anything to do for some time, but you will have the relation daily, the realization daily that He is in you, and you will have more fellowship with Him than with anyone else. Just live with Him. Come to know Him. When you are in God, your position with Him is a million times greater than anything He does through you. We are so apt to be active, but when He wants to do something through you, He will do it. This realization that He was in me was so great that it affected everyone I met. There was great joy when my eldest brother was converted, and many of us who were born again had great fellowship together. But when the Holy Spirit came into my life, it was different. Some of my friends did not want him, and he had no fellowship with them. Once the Holy Spirit has taken you into the presence of God, you have more fellowship on the other side 
than down here. Put the man of God where you like, but if God is there, it is heaven upon earth. Some of us have realized the painful reality that when we want the Holy Spirit with all of our heart and we want the baptism of power, there are those who disappear, who scorn, who laugh, who belittle, who criticize. But it matters not to us, for our heart is utterly given to walk with Jesus. We want that incredible power of God to bring conviction into the lives of others that they too could walk with us in Jesus. We have more fellowship now before the baptism of the Spirit. Already we have more fellowship on the other side than we have here. Here we're often rejected and cut off, judged. But on the other side, we find the open arms of God. We find acceptance in Jesus Christ. And that brings joy to our hearts. Romans 6, 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Self cannot put self on the cross. Only the Holy Spirit can do this. If the death of the Lord Jesus is real to you, will you go to Calvary with him? It is not weeping for the death 2,000 years ago, but being willing to go to death yourself. I have never tried to show Calvary in words. It must be a revelation. Death must work in you and then life. And just to the extent you allow him to put you to death, you will live. With many, the planting into the death of the Savior is only a theory. You only understand his death as you enter it in reality. The Apostle Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Galatians 2.20 Anyone who has really seen Calvary is lost to the world. You must get rid of sin and limitations. The death must be actual. The law will not be satisfied with theory. It is when you die to the law of sin and death that you are free. Romans 8.2 After you are baptized by the Holy Spirit into the death of the Savior, you then walk in new newness of life. Some people live in the forgiveness of sins. Just as interest can be paid out of capital, some people do this spiritually. If you reckon yourself dead to sin, you have no right to live in it. The only proof of the Holy Spirit is the life of the Holy Spirit. Leave the old man on the cross and rise with the Savior to a new life. Today is a very special day. It is a birthday. It's the birthday of Alexandra's conversion to Jesus. And I'm going to ask her to take a minute and share that story. How were you converted, Alexandra? Because you did what you just read. You died, and a new person was born. Mm -hmm. 
and you left all sin. How did that happen? Uh, well, it was not difficult. I want to say that up front. Uh, but it was definitely, it does require an encounter with the Holy Spirit. So in, in my new birth, which was four years ago today, I had been for some time seeking God, but I was not at all interested in Christianity. And so I was seeking through yoga and through Hindu religions. And I had a kind of scornful attitude towards Christians. I thought that Christians were stupid or brainwashed. I didn't have a high opinion of them. So I never thought of even looking into Christianity. But as I, I was praying every day and reading Hindu scriptures, trying to find God. And as this went on for five months, I was really hitting a wall and I recognized that my life did not mean anything unless I was surrendered to God because I saw that I had been created for a purpose and if I wasn't living for the purpose that I was created for, then my life didn't mean anything. And I didn't realize at the time that it wasn't just meaningless, but it was actually rebellion. And I also really wanted more than anything to be living in the presence of God and to be connected to God. So my motive was I wanted God. I just want to make that clear. So I believe that is why the Lord led me, even though I was totally deluded and off track. So I was confronted by a Christian who said, you know, you, yoga is wrong, it's demonic, you can't keep doing yoga, Jesus is the only way. And so I bought a Bible, and I was reasoning that I didn't have to be a Christian to read the Bible. I had no intention of converting when I bought this Bible. So I bought the Bible, and I was in the store buying it, and there was a just a cross that said believe, and that was very convicting because I was like, why don't I believe? So I was, I was being very confronted by the Holy Spirit, though I didn't know it at the time. So I just read the beginning of Genesis, and I saw that Adam and Eve were separated from God because of their sin. And so I said, oh, that's why I'm not connected with God is because of sin and I didn't understand how I was to get back to God though so I knew I needed to surrender my life to God and I had to confront some things in my past that I was in denial about so I finally just really had to man up and say yes I actually did do those things and stop making excuses about it which I think is critical. If you're in denial about the evil you've committed, that's you can't repent. So I, I finally acknowledged that I had been involved in witchcraft and some other things that were very evil. And I still didn't want to give my life to Christ. I wanted to surrender to God, but I didn't want to become a Christian. So I got on my knees. I was at home by myself and... It was in the afternoon, and I said, I surrender to you, God, and nothing happened. So I decided that I would take a shower, and maybe I would feel more clean. So I was in the shower, and I decided to try to give my life 
to God again. And so I did the same thing. I just said, I surrender to you, God. And I realized that I felt like God was there, but there was a barrier. And I, I knew that I needed God's name. And I said, well, it has to be Jesus. But if I give my life to Jesus, then I'm going to be a Christian, and I don't want to be a Christian. So this was in the shower, and I said, well, if Jesus is the only way, I'm just going to give my life to Jesus. And if I have to be a Christian, I have to be a Christian. So I didn't know what would happen. I had not been to a church service since maybe I was 10. It had been a very long time. I did not grow up in a Christian family. Uh, so I just, right there in the shower, I said, I give my life to you, Jesus. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. And it was a huge leap of faith for me. I didn't know what was going to happen. And so immediately, I, I fell over and I couldn't move for about 40 minutes. I couldn't even move my hands. I couldn't talk. And I was just flooded with the presence of God. And I realized that I had never known what love was before because I'd been in this new age movement which really emphasizes love, but it's not really love. So when I experienced God's love, I said, oh, and then I had been really trying, I had a lot of unforgiveness towards a particular person who I thought I had forgiven. And then I felt God's forgiveness and I said, oh wow, I hadn't actually forgiven that person even though I thought I had. I had made a, a serious effort for a period of months to forgive this person. And I experienced God's peace, his joy, his freedom. And I knew these hands are his hands. So in other words, I knew that my whole body belonged to God. It was a very humbling experience because I knew that if God could take over my body, he could do that anytime. So I just saw that my entire life, my the fact that I was still alive was because of God and that he had a right to everything. And so he could he could do that again if he wanted to. I mean, there's nothing stopping God from just grabbing my body right now, just like he did then. So that was the point where I, I received the Holy Spirit in conversion. I was born again. And that began, I, I was just, my whole heart was changed. I, the sin in my life was just very quickly eradicated. I had to do some serious purging of a lot of occult things that I had in my home. I mean, books. I basically, I left my entire academic career and my professors and colleagues thought that I had totally gone off the deep end and was just like committing career suicide, which I essentially did. So there's definitely been a cost to follow Jesus, but I'm, I wouldn't go back. I have no desire to go back. The, I just see it all as, as empty. Um, the book of Ecclesiastes is a really good explanation of how I feel about my life before I knew Jesus. And I, I just really now need this full Pentecost baptism of the Holy Spirit so that I can actually effectively live out the life God called me to live. So happy birthday. Thank you.
Romans 6, 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. This life is not a death life, but a resurrection life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And if you are in him, you are in the resurrection. The prayer of the Apostle Paul was that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made comfortable unto his death. Philippians 3.10 Suffering is the very thing the old man will run away from. For if we are dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. The way to the throne is always the way of the cross. The devil only has power on this side of Calvary. The Savior always had power over him, but he came to conquer him so that the Savior through man might ever have the victory over him. The Holy Spirit comes in with all the power of the risen Lord, and he is in me constantly having the victory over the enemy. The Holy Spirit is constantly binding the devil. Well, we're almost out of time. I think we have time for one more. This is Second Corinthians 2.14. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. You must see that you get victory in every change that the Holy Spirit makes in you. I had victory in every situation. You will not be tested in the open unless you have had victory on that point in private. God can always test his own faith, but not the faith of man. You cannot hold out in a test without a revelation. Whatever you give to God, if you believe for it, you will have the hundredfold. Before you can move on to something higher, you must have perfect victory in your present position. The old man tries to get victory in a place where he is not situated. You must get victory where you are. Only those who have walked it know the joy of a life of faith. In a battle, what counts is that you have had victory all along. This is about victory. There's nothing uglier than a Christian who has been reduced to some formalism who was converted years ago, who has a sentimental love for Jesus, but has absolutely no victory in their personal life and no power, no power to win the lost. We need that power. If you want that power in your life, join with us in praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and recognize that he will not come in until you have made a full and complete surrender that you belong to Jesus. We've been sharing vignettes from a book. The Intercession of Reese Howells by Doris Rusco. We have two minutes left. Anything you'd like to say to close? 
I would just like to invite you to visit our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can listen to this message again there, as well as our past messages. And we'd love to hear from you at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. This is a faith ministry, and so we pray that we will hear from you. And we trust Jesus. I'd also like to share, if you are a woman listening to this broadcast and you wonder about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and witnessing, there is an excellent book by Phoebe Palmer called The Promise of the Father about this Pentecost baptism of the Holy Spirit and how women are full equals with men in receiving this gift. Well, we're out of time. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley and Alexandra Greenley. We love you. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. God bless you. Before the presence of his glory with great joy, with great joy. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy with great Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.